Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come again with brothers and sisters in Christ to listen to our Father. Lord, we pray that you may help us by your Holy Spirit, given through your Son, Jesus Christ, to us, to help us to understand what your Word says. Lord, we pray particularly as we study your Son and what he did while he was here on earth. Lord, we pray that we may become more like him. May we become attracted to him again and want to be like him as a result of studying your word together. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, I'm not one for being overly friendly to others and for engaging in conversation with anyone and everyone that I meet. I can sit quite happily on the train and someone can sit quite opposite me and I won't actually say a word to them. I'm not the kind of person who automatically engages others in conversation. Even walking along the street, I know some people will say hello to everyone they walk past. Uh, I'm not that kind of person. I feel a bit uncomfortable saying hello to everybody who walks along the street or just even the occasional person. In comparison to probably the most extreme example that I've ever seen is someone that I saw going around the bay run one day. There was this lady uh, who was running around the bay. She had three dogs that she was uh, running, walking uh, while she was going. And every person she passed, she had some sort of comment for them. Hello, g'day, how's it going? Every person, and going around the bay, it's an it's a actual walking track. There are stacks of people on it. And she wasn't just saying it to people who were walking in the opposite direction and she could see their face. She said it to me and my friend as we were walking. Uh, and she was running past us. And she turned and said, hello, how's it going? And she was just doing it to everybody on the, on the run. And, uh, and it wasn't like she was, uh, had lots of energy. She looked like she was quite worn out. Her face was red and hot. And, uh, and she was a bit breathless. But she was greeting anyone and everyone she went past. That's not me. I'm not one for uh, saying hello and g'day to anyone that comes across my path. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus as he sits down and has a bit of a break. Last time we looked at this passage together in John chapter 4, we saw that Jesus had walked a considerable way. It was like walking from here to Gosford. And he had done it probably in one and a half days. And he sits down and has a break. He says, it says to us in John chapter 4 that Jesus was actually quite tired. We read that in verse 6 of John chapter 4, which is found on page 1052. I encourage you to have your black church Bibles open as we work through this passage together. John chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Middle of the day, quite hot, Jesus sits down, he's tired there, and takes a break. And then someone comes along to the well. And it's this Samaritan woman that is introduced to us in verse 7. And Jesus talks to her. We read in verse 7 of John chapter 4, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Then verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then the narrator, John, says in brackets, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She's kind of surprised that he's talking to her. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Why was Jesus expected to ignore this Samaritan woman? Why would it be strange for him, as he's sitting at this well, for someone to come along and for him not to talk to that person? Well, why would it be strange for him to talk to that person as they come and sit at the well? Is Jesus this outgoing person and she's just very 
introverted, so to speak. Uh, she doesn't like to talk to people and she's just a little bit, oh, what's going on? Or are there other reasons why Jesus should be expected to ignore this Samaritan woman? And that's what I'm going to be looking at. Three reasons that are proposed as to why Jesus would be expected to ignore this Samaritan woman as she comes to the well to draw some water. So what's the first reason? Well, the first reason is Jesus was expected to ignore other nations, particularly those from Samaria. We have to understand that there was real racism during the time of Jesus, particularly towards those from Samaria. And so that's my first main point. Jesus was expected to ignore other nations. If you want to follow my main points, they're there listed on the back of the church bulletin. How do we know that there was real racism happening at the time of Jesus? Well, we can see that even in the text as we look at it now. In verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman, clearly drawing out the two racial differences. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There's a racism that she's very much aware of that indicates that Jesus is not expected to talk to her, that he, instead he's expected to ignore other nations, particularly the nation of Samaria. Now, why would this be the case? Why would there be such racism happening in the, in the place of Israel at this time between Samaritans and between Jews? Well, you have to know a bit of a history about Samaritans. And we actually looked at the origin of the people of Samaria in that passage that we had read to us from Second Kings before. If you want to study it uh, this afternoon, that would be a good use of the Lord's Day, uh, to look at carefully how these people of Samaria ended up in Israel and why then did the Jews hate them so much. But I'll give you a bit of a summary as to why the Samaritans were hostile towards the Jews uh, from one commentator. One commentator says that the Samaritans were people who rejected the writings of the prophets. So they claimed to worship the God of Israel, but they rejected the writings of the prophets and the wisdom literature, and because of these writings' emphasis on Judea and David's line centered on Jerusalem. So they're quite happy to take what we call the Samaritan Pentateuch, and they had their own Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through to uh, Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They're quite happy to have those. But after that, it starts to say that Jews are really good guys, and particularly David's line, and they did not like that. And so they rejected the rest of the Bible. And also, they, their worship was centered on a new temple, not the temple at Jerusalem, on Mount Gerizim, towering above ancient Shechem, while Jerusalem was rejected as a place of pilgrimage. Following the Babylonian exile, when Zerubbabel led the rebuilding of the temple, Samaritans' help was adamantly refused. And that happens in Ezra. When we study the book of Ezra, you would have heard that, that the Samaritans said, can we help build the temple? And the Jews said, no, because you worship other gods, which then, of course, that rejection fueled more conflict. When Alexander the Great and later Greek generals controlled Palestine, they made Samaria an important base, knowing that here they could find some sympathetic anti-Jewish allies. So it's actually seen to be a, a good place to plant your army if you wanted to uh, fight against the Jews. And so, of course, then the Samaritans are supporting the enemy. And when the Jews had their opportunity at times, they attacked Samaria and destroyed Shechem at one point and burned the Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim. And so that's part of the history that comes before Jesus. And so, of course, the Samaritans hate the Jews. And the Jews hate the Samaritans. 
They actually had some laws to prevent association with Samaritans, as we uh, read there in John chapter 4, verse 9, that Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And that's because they had actually put into place laws that you couldn't do it. What sort of laws did they have? Well, they had a law of no Israelite can eat anything that is a Samaritan's, for it is as if he should eat swine's flesh. It's as if eating pig's flesh. So you eat anything prepared by a Samaritan, it's like you're eating pig's flesh, which is clearly forbidden by the law. They also had a law that he who receives a Samaritan into his house and entertains him deserves that his children should be sent into exile. If you entertain a Samaritan in your house, your children should be sent into exile. Shows how seriously they took the concept of welcoming a Samaritan into your home. And then we see such hostility towards Samaritans is also shown in the New Testament. Uh, by religious leaders. We can see that in John chapter 8, verse 48, when the Jews talked to Jesus, they answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? They said that to Jesus in John 8, 48. Were they saying something kind to Jesus? No. Are we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? They're holding up demon possession as bad as being a Samaritan. That's a pretty nasty thing to say to anyone. And they're accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed and a Samaritan. Because if he's a Samaritan, then no Jew should listen to anything he says. And we even see that Christ's own disciples are quite hostile to Samaritans as well. An example of that is in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. We read, As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So they sent some people to get some help from a Samaritan village, but the Samaritans did not welcome him because where was he going? Jerusalem, and they've rejected Jerusalem. Now what happens? When the disciples James and John saw this, James and John, pretty high up there in the, Samar in the disciple ranks, uh, John, of course, is the person that wrote this book that we're looking at today. When the disciples James and John saw this, that the Samaritans had rejected Jesus, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Do the disciples like the Samaritans? If you're wanting to call down fire from heaven to destroy someone, it's pretty evident you don't like that person. That's the kind of attitude that the Jews had towards the Samaritans. And so then it's reasonable to expect that Jesus would not talk to this woman. He's clearly a Jew, whether it be from uh, his, the way he's dressed and his beard and things like that. And it may even look like a rabbi, uh, like a teacher. And the, the woman sees this and goes, you shouldn't be talking to me. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You shouldn't be talking to me now. But we see that Jesus is someone who welcomes people of other nations. He is not someone who is racist. He is God himself who made all nations, and so he welcomes them, and he welcomes Samaritans. We see in another example in the Bible that in Luke chapter 17 that he actually heals a Samaritan leper. He heals a man with leprosy who is from Samaria. And also, one of Jesus' most famous parables features a Samaritan positively. What's one of the most famous parables of Jesus? The parable of the good Samaritan. Jesus taught that Samaritans are worthy people of respect, or people worthy of respect. 
And so when he talks to the Samaritan woman here, it's just another example of Jesus welcoming people of all nations, including the nation of Samaria. So although Jesus as a Jew might be expected to ignore the Samaritan woman because of her race, Jesus didn't ignore her. Is there any other reason why you would expect Jesus to ignore this woman? Why he shouldn't be talking to her? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. My second main point is that Jesus was expected to ignore women. Jesus could be expected or was expected to ignore women. And it's interesting the way that she phrases the question to him in verse 9. She's, the Samaritan woman said to him in verse 9, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. She didn't just say, I'm a Samaritan, how can you talk to me? No, she emphasized the fact that she is a Samaritan woman. Now, why is that important to note? Why would people think that Jesus shouldn't be talking to a woman? Well, that's because women were looked down on by many Jews, particularly Jewish rabbis, which we've got to remember Jesus was held to be a Jewish rabbi. People called him rabbi, great teacher. But rabbis were people who taught that women were inferior to men. There was actually a rabbi's ancient prayer that has been recorded for us and kept for us today to hear. What is their prayer? Blessed art thou, O Lord, who has not made me a woman. Blessed art thou, O Lord, who has not made me a woman. That's what many rabbis in the time of Jesus were praying, that kind of prayer. Also, in Jewish culture, women were excluded from important aspects of religion. No woman was allowed to study the law, which then meant basically women were cut off from education. They were, if, if you weren't studying the law, then you weren't learning to read, read God's word, and so then you weren't learning to read in general, and so you're cut off from an education. And some even felt that it was sinful to educate a woman, that a woman should not be educated, and if you did that, you're actually sinning against God. Also, it was seen to be strange for a man to initiate conversation with a woman in public. And we actually see this noted by the woman in verse 9 in what she says there with, uh, how can you talk to me, a Samaritan woman? And the disciples pick up on this as well in verse 27. Look with me at verse 27 of John chapter 4. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a Samaritan. No, it's with a woman. What's he doing talking to a woman? But no one asked her, what do you want? or why are you talking with her? So they knew enough to keep their mouths shut, but they were still kind of puzzled. Why is Jesus talking to a woman? He should not be talking to women. And that was because people encouraged no conversation between men and women. One rabbi even pointed out that the sages have said, he that talks much with womankind brings evil on himself and neglects the study of the law and at the last will inherit Gehenna is hell. Let me read that again. This is what a rabbi taught. He that talks much with womankind brings evil on himself and neglects the study of the law and at the last will inherit hell. So Jesus as a rabbi is not expected to be talking to a woman out there when he meets her. Also you've got to remember that Jesus was a single man and he's there alone with a woman. The text actually makes it clear that no one else is around. What do we read in verse 8? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. It's actually probably a sermon in that in itself, in the fact that 
they're obviously buying food from Samaritans. Remember that rule that you're not supposed to eat anything belonging to a Samaritan? Anyway, not everybody followed all the laws that were put forward by the Pharisees, and we see that Jesus often uh, is flaunting such laws. But anyway, the point in, one of the points in verse 8 is that Jesus is alone with this woman. And he's a single man. What is he doing talking to a single woman uh, a woman that's there, she's not single as we'll find out, but he's a single man and he's there alone with her. He should be trying to keep everything very much uh, clear that there's going to be no problems, there's going to be no misconduct that's going on there. And one way to do that is just not to talk to her. And we can see this happening in certain cultures in our country, uh, in, in the world and even in our country today, that single men may have a little bit more caution about how they talk to women when they're on their own with a woman there. And then, of course, it's even worse that Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman. Yes, he's talking to a woman, but a Samaritan woman. Now, I've already emphasized the fact that the Jews don't like the Samaritans. But the Jews also had things to say about Samaritan women. Not just Samaritans in general, but Samaritan women. There was a Jewish regulation that said that the daughters of the Samaritans are unclean from their cradle. The daughters of the Samaritans are unclean from their cradle. So Samaritan women are like the worst of the worst. They're like the, the Samaritans are bad, but then the women of Samaritans are even worse. And for Jesus then to, to speak to a woman, a Samaritan woman, here at the well is something that is quite extraordinary for him to do. We think, oh yes, in our culture you just talk to any race that comes along and, and yeah, it's fine for a man to talk with a woman. And, and so we lose the point of what's going on here. This is a highly unusual situation. Is there any other reason, though, why it would be unusual for Jesus to talk to this woman? Well, that brings me to my third main point. Jesus was expected to ignore sinners. Jesus was expected to ignore sinners. Again and again through the Gospels, we see emphasized that Jesus as a rabbi is expected by other Jewish leaders, religious leaders, to not associate with sinners. And we see that in passages like Matthew chapter 9, where the Pharisees see Jesus eating with sinners, and they ask his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. The Pharisees have a real issue with Jesus eating with people that they consider to be sinners, as though there's some people who are not sinners and there's other people who are sinners, but particularly notorious sinners, People who have sinned greatly, and in their minds, that's tax collectors, prostitutes usually feature on the list as well. They have this mindset that you don't associate with those who are notorious sinners. Now, what about this woman? Do we have any evidence to indicate that she is a bit of a notorious sinner? Well, I think we do. I think she's even seen to be a notorious sinner amongst the Samaritans. What evidence is there? Well, firstly, note that the woman was drawing water in the middle of the day, indicating that she must be a bit of a social outcast. Women usually drew water in the morning or evening, the cooler parts of the day. 
And we see that as an example of that in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 24. Rebekah meets Abraham's servant who's trying to find a wife, and he has this little prayer, and, uh, and then Rebekah pops up. That's how you find a wife, isn't it? Um, you, you pray a prayer and say, if so-and-so comes and gives me a drink, then obviously she's the wife for me, or wife for the person that I'm uh, setting someone up with. Anyway, but the point is that it was toward the evening, the time women go out to draw water. It was toward the evening, the time the women go out to draw water. You don't go out in the middle of the day to get water. It's too blistering hot. Jesus is sitting down at the well because he's tired. It's hot. And yet she's out there, and she's out there alone. She was alone out there, which is kind of a dangerous situation. We allow women to go out in the middle of the day and walk along the street, and it's not that too big an issue. But we have fairly good security in our country. I mean, it's not perfect. But generally speaking, a woman walking around in Australia doesn't have too much to worry about through the day. This is the middle of the day. She's out there, but she's alone. And it's in a place that is dangerous. There's bandits all around. There's all kinds of people that could do damage to her. But she's out there alone, which means that people don't want to associate with her for some reason that she's going out to pretty much avoid being around people when they usually gather water. She's going out in the middle of the day and she's going out there alone. What else do we see in the text that indicates that this woman is a bit of a serious sinner? Well, Jesus tells us that she's uh, seen to be a bit of a serious sinner and that's in verse 18. Verse 18, he's having a conversation with her and we'll get to that uh, in future sermons as well. But in verse 18 we read, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Because he's just asked her to go and get her husband in verse 16. And she said in verse 17, I have no husband. And then he says, that's right. You've actually had five husbands. This is a woman who is someone who's been through multiple divorces. Five of them. Which is a, pretty much a, a, a record, I would say, even among celebrities. I mean, celebrities seem to churn through the marriages as well. But five of them? I don't know how many. Elizabeth Taylor's been notorious for having quite a few. Um, I should have looked that up before I said that from the front here. But um, there's some people who have been through many marriages. But five is a lot. What does that say about the woman? It says that her, her word's not worth much if she's made promises. You don't know what, um, what kind of men she's married. But you know, my father always said it takes two to have a quarrel. Um, she's got to have some part in this fact that she's been through so many marriages. And then, what's she doing right now? She's living with a man who's not her husband. She's living, living in, a, in a state of sexual immorality. It's not surprising that she's out drawing water in the middle of the day by herself. People have no respect for her in the Samaritan area. And that's why she's out there like that. And so if Jesus knows all that, people would expect him to ignore her. She's a great sinner. She's been through five marriages and she's currently living with a man who's not her husband. There's no way any self-respecting rabbi, pastor, teacher, religious teacher would talk to such a woman. But Jesus does. He speaks to her and welcomes her and then has a conversation with her. And so although Jesus is expected to ignore her because she's a Samaritan, because she's a woman, and because she's a great sinner, he speaks to her and tells him, her about the good news about himself. 
And that's what we'll study in subsequent weeks as we work our way through John 4. We'll look at the good news that he tells her. But I just wanted to focus on this fact this morning because it is such wonderful news for us today as well. If we unpack the fact that Jesus welcomed people of other races and he welcomed people who is not supposed to talk to of the opposite sex and that he welcomed this woman who was a great sinner. Because that means that today, for us, it doesn't matter what nation you are from. It doesn't matter what gender you are. Despite what the rabbis have taught in the past. Don't listen to them, listen to Jesus. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter how much you've sinned against God. If you've been through six marriages, it doesn't matter. Jesus still welcomes you today. If you seek him, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to have your sins forgiven, then he welcomes you. And if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ and you're here this morning, I encourage you to do so. Don't hold your race, your gender or your sins up as barriers between you and Christ. Christ transcends those. He speaks through those. He does what is not expected and he welcomes every one of us to him if you will come to him in repentance and faith. And so I encourage you to do that this morning. Turn from your sins. Trust in that Christ who is revealed in the pages of the scriptures who welcomes everyone. And if you are a Christian, then you're meant to follow the example of Christ. And that means you must welcome all people as well. You must welcome people of other nations. You must welcome both women and men. And you must welcome sinners. You must be ready to talk to others about Jesus Christ, regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of their sin. Why? Well, it's good for us to remember the words of Paul in Romans chapter 15 in this case, where he says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Why should you accept anyone and everyone and teach them the good news of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus accepted you. He accepted you despite what race you are, despite what gender you are, despite how much you've sinned. He accepted you. And so then you should not be on your high horse and not accept others. No, you've got to get off your high horse and accept everyone who comes to you and wants to know about Jesus Christ. We have to remember the other words of Paul in this case as well, where he says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. There's neither male nor female. Now that text is sometimes used to emphasize that there's no distinction between men and women. But the point of the passage is not saying that there's, uh, there's no difference at all, that there is no such thing as male or female anymore. That's what the secular society wants us to understand, that it's some sort of societal construct, male and female, and the transgender movement uh, embraces that idea. No, he's not saying there is no male or female. He's saying in terms of salvation, it doesn't matter whether you are Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you don't agree with that position on that text, read Galatians this afternoon. You've already got some homework to read two kings about Samaritans. 
Read Galatians. Galatians is a great book because it just emphasises again and again that we're saved through faith alone. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, you're saved through faith alone. It's all about salvation, the whole book of Galatians. And that's what Galatians 3.28 is talking about. It doesn't matter who you are. If you trust in Christ, you're part of his family. And so we as Christians must welcome everyone through our doors. And to be quite honest, I think at Dremoyne Baptist we're doing fairly well at that. I actually went through the membership role this week and as I was preparing for this sermon, and I was able from my limited knowledge of people in the church um, to work out that at least 50% of the members of this church currently were born overseas. 50% of them were born overseas. That's a pretty in interesting statistic. Also, uh, when it comes to welcoming women, our membership is made up of many women. 63% of the membership are women. That's almost two-thirds of the women, uh, of the membership is women. And so you couldn't say that we don't welcome women at our church. In fact, the women are responsible for keeping the church running to some extent. Also, when it comes to welcoming sinners, I went through the membership directory and I think I'm right in concluding, because I've interviewed everyone at this church, that our membership is made up of 100% sinners. The entire directory is made up of sinners. We welcome sinners at this church, and that includes me. How do I know that this church welcomes sinners? Because they welcomed me. They've welcomed me to be a part of the membership, even though I have sinned grievously against God on countless times. They've continued to welcome me. And so if we are to be like Jesus, if we are to be Christ-like in our lives, then Christian churches should be attractive places. They should be welcoming places. We should have doormats out the front that say welcome on them because that's what we're meant to be. Churches are places where there should be no racial prejudice, where there should be no sex discrimination, where we say you're not welcome here because of your gender. They should show that everybody is acceptable because we're all bound together in Jesus Christ. We are all sinners, we all come from different nations, we all have one gender or another, and then we are still welcomed by Christ, regardless of the prejudices. So do you welcome others? Do you share the gospel with everyone that you can? Are you someone who should be a bit more friendly? Not necessarily saying that you should greet every single person you see as you go around a walking track like that lady I saw that day. But you've got to say, she's a pretty friendly person. I kind of admire her. Maybe I should be saying hi to people on the street a bit more often. Maybe when I do sit on the train, I should be saying hello to people and looking for an opportunity, like Jesus did, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us come before our God in prayer now. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for how much we can learn about your son Jesus Christ from the pages of the Bible that he continues to be a subject of marvel for us. Lord, we thank you that we see here that he welcomes everyone, that he welcomes people of all nations. He welcomes every gender. He welcomes those who are great sinners. Lord, this is such a tremendous truth for us because we know that we are great sinners. And yet he tells us the good news of Jesus Christ and welcomes us. So Lord, we pray that we may make this message known to others as well. May we be like our Lord and not keep the message to ourselves, 
but proclaim it at whatever point we can to whoever you place in our paths. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.